Hey folks, welcome to this bonus episode of Got Your Back NHL, LeBron and Rashog. We're going to get to Pierre LeBron and Mike Johnson in just a couple of moments, but first, as you all well know, the hockey world lost an absolute giant yesterday with the passing of Leafs legend Boreas Salming at age 71. Our thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to the entire Salming family, Leafs Nation, all of his family and friends. I think the news was a little jarring after just seeing Salming at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony honored in front of Leafs Nation and the hockey world. Um, but with this news, I think we're also, at least I am, feeling very fortunate that he, his family, had a chance to have those amazing moments in his last days. And quite frankly, uh, glad that we, the hockey world, got to have those moments as well. So wanted to have a conversation to put Salming's career into perspective. And there's nobody better to do that with then Steve Dryden. You all know him better as the quiz master. Uh, Steve was the senior managing editor of hockey at TSN uh, right up until this last year. He is now, eh, we'll call him semi-retired, but he never really quits working. He was also the editor-in-chief of the Hockey News from 1991 to 2001. Nobody better to put into perspective the career and the legend that Boria Salming was. Well, for years, viewers on TSN have heard his name, the Quiz Master, but seldom, if ever, have they seen his face. Uh, a good friend, longtime friend, Steve Dryden. Uh, thrilled to have you join us today, Steve. Is this the first time that you've uh, you've actually revealed yourself to the masses? Well, in this fashion, yes. I was waiting for just the right opportunity, just the right debut, and of course, your podcast is back. Absolutely. And and as I just mentioned, Steve, I can't think of anybody better to put into perspective and to help us put into perspective the, the career that Boreas Salming had. Um, you are a historian of the game. Uh, I'm not going to say you've been around that long, but you've been around a while. Um, and I know you're helping out the Hockey Hall of Fame now uh, in, in a lot of ways when it comes to putting numbers together and putting into historical significance what people have accomplished. So, Give us a sense for what Boreas Salming's significance to the game was. Well, we all know that Boreas Salming is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But as great as he was, I think he's even more important to the history of the game. Think of players like Howie Morenz, Rocket Richard, Jacques Plante, Bobby Orr. These are all shapeshifters in the history of the game. They changed either the way the game was, was played or seen or understood. And that's what Boreas Salming did. I mean... He did. I mean, there was a bit of a gravel road from, from Europe to the NHL before he arrived. As Tommy Bergman was already playing. But what he did, and I'm boring a bit from, from Michael Farber at TSN, who said that he paved the road, and that's what he did. He paved the road over in cement. So Tommy Bergman is there the year before, but then Salming arrives, and it's sensational. I mean, he's a candidate for Rookie of the Year. Following year, following year that he makes the All-Star team six straight seasons, he makes the first or second All-Star team. So I think the game to come back to it, like people like Quant, he was important to the game's history as much as he was a, a wonderful player. First Swedish player inducted into the Hall of Fame. For those in a generation that never had a chance to, to watch him play, give us a sense for the game. Well, there's a, a number of ways to look at him. I mean, and we're, we're, we know that he was this fantastic player. He had a, a game that was built on his skating, a terrific player, but when you think of him, you probably think or should think of him, first of all, as being as tough as nails. That was what really made him special, is that he could not be intimidated. As good as he was, he would suffer. He would throw himself in front of everybody and, and every player. Um, I had the, the opportunity to talk to Anders Hedberg, 
who was a great Swedish player himself and played with Boris Salming uh, with the junior national team and the senior national team. And he said, and the way he described it, what is he said that 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 Boris Salming's competitiveness and his resilience made him proud to be Swedish. And you know, wow. that's quite something to say. Yeah. And and you know that he he just he played away and he wasn't afraid of anything. He never backed down. He did everything. Played injured. Uh, and again, of course, he had these great skills. I, I asked, I asked Anders, was there a term in Swedish that maybe a Swede would use to describe him? And and he he did give me one, and it, and I'm I'm not going to do it justice, but it was something like Devalyar Anima, and it's the devil's de- determination. Huh. So you can see that that you know we again we think of him as, as being this player, um, you know he's courageous, played with great conviction, but. In Sweden, there again, they they point to that as much as anything, as well. And so, again, they they when they talk about him, they say, but he had the devil's determination, which is is really something. And of course, he's not just one of the great NHLers of all time; he's one of the great Swedes. I mean, last week they announced their All Centennial team, and he was lined up um, beside Nicholas uh, Lidstrom on the all-time team as on the blue line. So, imagine Sami and Lidstrom playing together while they they were and. and and the wonderful thing was that he was able to get to that event. He was at the gala. He was in a private box. And, and again, you know, Anders uh, had not had the opportunity to see him since he was diagnosed with ALS. And he actually went up to the box to see him. It was a very emotional moment. But he went up with Tommy Bergman, which was very, I think, appropriate. Yeah. Again, Tommy Bergman was the first Swede. But, but you know, Borja came along and changed everything. Steve, great perspective, my friend. Thank you so much for taking some time. And joining us here on the podcast, you'll come back again soon? Of course. All right. Take care, my friend. Boreas Salming was 71 years of age. Got Your Back NHL Edition is brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Of course, they provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry, but what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude, a core value of their company. I've actually been to their head offices, and they've got it all over the walls there uh, on all of their branches. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they never let the customer down. And they will bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need, when they need it. No excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and truly believes that their customer success is their success. As we check in with Mike Johnson on the road with the Maple Leafs in Minnesota, and we have Pierre Lebrun on the telephone today. How are we doing, guys? Johnny, afternoon game. You got to love that. Love the afternoon games. I Listen, I did not love them at all when I played because I like the routine. I like the, the sleep and the nap and the whole bit. But as a broadcaster now, live for the afternoon games. We had it at 5 p.m. to usually get wherever you want to go, do something for the evening. So no complaints at all. The only problem is will the boys have the turkey legs after, you know, a full day off yesterday, watching football. Uh, the old trip to San will kick in. I'm not sure how the game is going to be, but I don't care. It's going to be a two. So that's all that matters to me. You got turkey legs today, well, Pierre? Well, I got a morning game here. I'm in Montreal with one of my daughters. We're at a big Can-Am hot girls hockey tournament. And uh, as soon as we wrap this up, uh, off to the rink. So 
Love it. Right on. Hey, I have a question for you guys. I was in a, speaking of cross country Canada supplies and rentals, our title sponsor. So Wayne Watson, one of the owners, uh, actually lives out here in Sherwood Park where I do. And uh, he has this golf simulator, you guys. Like, you would not believe this thing. It is, like, we've all been to the ones at Golf Town. We've all been, like, picture that, but with awesome decor. Like, it, this thing is unbelievable. So I went over last night, you know, had a, had a beer and, and played some holes. But I was having a tough time figuring out when I was getting ready, what do you wear to a buddy's house when the plan is to get into the golf simulator and play? So I got dressed and I was in like my full golf getup, like full golf getup. Oh get my up. god! Oh my <laughs> yeah. god! Red card, red card. Did you bring like, your bike? What is? I did. I did. I brought my golf shoes. So okay, that was just when I first got dressed. <laughs> and then I sort of realized after I'm like, I might, I might be overdoing it here. And I didn't know what to do. So I backed it off to kind of like only halfway. I took off the golf shirt and I threw on like a, like a sort of a sweater type thing. But I kept the Lulu sort of golf pants on. And I kept the golf shoes. And I kept the Travis Matthews golf hat. And I showed up and like <laughs> Wayne and Shannon were like in jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> it was yes. awkward. It was awkward. What are you doing? Are you idiot? Listen, is it that that's bad? the beauty of the home the home simulator is you wear your pajamas down there and do whatever you want. Whatever you can move in. I guess like <laughs> as long as they're not so restrictive you can move properly, but like coming in when you got the you have your glove tucked in your back pocket with your scorebook in the other one. Like unbelievable, Doggy. <laughs> terrible. Right. Terrible. I was a little excited. Uh, I was gonna say I think track fans on a sweatshirt would have been fine, but anyway. Oh whatever. man. I was a little yeah. bit excited because I uh, you know, I I'd heard all about this simulator and uh, I was so fired up, haven't played in a little while. I just I wanted to be into it, you know. <laughs> but if you guys would have seen me before I left the house, I was looking <laughs> at myself in the mirror and I'm like I'm going to my buddy's house right now. I feel like this is not the right approach. And uh, apparently I it was right. It would have been so much better if you were getting picked up by a couple of buddies. Like you jump yeah. in the car, you're like, well, <laughs> where's the golf gear guy? You're yeah. like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. I'm changing. I'm like, nope, I'm bringing you. I'm not letting you change out of that nonsense. Oh man. Yeah. Well, anyways, Wayne kind of, he didn't, he didn't say anything. If he was thinking anything, he was kind enough not to say it. Uh, Listen, guys, we had Steve Dryden on uh, the Quizmaster chatting a little bit about uh, Boreas Salming. Obviously, you know, the hockey world lost a giant here. Leafs Nation lost an absolute giant. Uh, you know, what uh, What are your guys' thoughts, Johnny? Maybe we'll start with you just about, uh, you know, Boreas Salming, the loss, and uh, what we saw over the last few weeks. Pretty, pretty iconic, heart-wrenching, uh, emotional moments uh, for the hockey world and the Salming family. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't, I, I don't remember him so much from growing up and watching him playing, but being a Toronto Maple Leaf and being around the alumni, you really get a sense of the kind of reverence that the other players told him, the guys that played around his era, uh, you know, maybe the 80s where the Leafs weren't so great. He was kind of like the, the beacon of hope and like the guy who kind of represented the team well on, on the ice, off the ice. Legendary teammate, legendary guy to be around from all reports and um, you know, I was there, I guess, fortunately, on the Friday night in between the benches, right right there in front of me as he walked out with Matt and with Daryl Sittler. And yeah. um, to have a moment be so simultaneously heartbreaking 
to see how much he was struggling and the pain he was in and also uplifting and so happy as you saw him fight through to ignore the crowd. You could tell he could feel the emotion and the love being poured onto him from fans, many of whom would never have seen him play. That was such a beautiful, gut-wrenching thing. And um, and I'm glad that he was able to experience not very often that, you know, our heroes, you can kind of say goodbye to them. And I guess, you know, him and his family would have felt firsthand just a couple of weeks ago how important he was to the people of Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs and that city and everybody else. So um, keep his condolences. But um, I, I guess fortunate for everyone that they were able to experience that a couple of weeks ago and kind of show that appreciation. One thing that struck me through all this is you think about the courage uh, that he displayed when he first came over and played in the NHL, one of the first Europeans, and literally the abuse that he took because he was being tested by North American skaters and really showed how tough he was and his leadership and all that in those years. And, And then you look at the courage that it took to come over and have that moment a couple of weeks ago because he was clearly... In, in tremendous uh, agony, uh, and I can share this from a personal point of view, but my mother died at ALS when she was 54. And it just struck me that night when watching Borgia Solomon and, and, you know, trying to stand up and the emotion, uh, how much it reminded me of the agony that my mother went through at the end. And uh, it was actually pretty emotional to sort of tie those two things in together. And it's an awful, awful disease. That uh, that really does put you in a lot of agony, and um, you know it's always hard to say goodbye. But uh, you know, Bobby Sloan is not suffering anymore. That would be my thought. Yeah, uh, appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that, Pierre. I know that one is very personal to you. Uh, beautiful ceremony we got to watch. Heart wrenching news, and uh, the hockey world will now celebrate the life uh, of one of the most important players um, that the game has seen, Bobby Sloan. Passes away at 71. Okay, lots to get to you guys from around the National Hockey League. So we're going to get to the breakdown, and that's brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. And with Christmas on the way, Pro Hockey Life has everything you need for the hockey player or the massive fan in your life, from equipment that fits all the needs for your players to team apparel, jerseys, clothing, novelty items, stocking stuffers. There'll be a one-stop shop on the Christmas shopping list for the fans in your life. They've got 16 locations across the country. Pro Hockey Life is obsessed with the game. So we're in and around that American, well, we're at that American Thanksgiving cutoff. And you know what the statistics are? And there's a lot of value placed on, you know, teams that are in or out of the playoffs at this time of year and how often they make the playoffs. Johnny, do you think this year holds true the same? Or do you think it's a little different because they're so tightly stacked together uh, through the middle of the standings? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a little bit different, Shoggy, because uh, some of the teams that have stepped up and kind of climbed into the playoffs at this point, you're thinking about Detroit and Seattle and you know, teams of that nature. I, I'm not so sure they have the lasting power versus some of the teams chasing them. So um, I think it's about 75 to 80% of teams mm-hmm. on this day that are in the playoffs make the playoffs. So it's 12 out of 16. Do I think four teams will drop out? Yeah, I, I absolutely do think two or three or four will drop out. Uh, because of injuries and because I think some of the teams we still think they're good haven't really played that well just yet. Tampa, Florida, um, Edmonton, Calgary, Pittsburgh, 
Carroll. Like you know, even though like, even if they're around the playoffs, they just have been a little bit inconsistent. So yeah, I don't. I think it's a, a telling sign, but I don't think it's locked in just yet because there still will be some jockeying to, to go. So so I thought we all agreed that when the Blues were in last place in January first, twenty nineteen, and then won the cup, that we were never going to do the U.S. Thanksgiving <laughs> thing again. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were done with that. that Not a bad point by um, you. Yeah, but but it is it, it is from talking to a, a number of GMs this week. What it is though, it still remains a time of year where GMs have said, "Okay, I've seen enough on my team now, where I think I know what we are, and now I'm going to circle back and, and start getting a little more serious with some of those calls." So I think what you'll see, and usually produces a, a sprinkle of deals in the new year, you'll start seeing those conversations go next level now in terms of trade. Um, the other thing I want to get you guys' opinion, but just speaking of the Blues, who lost eight, who, who started three and zero, then lost eight in a row, all in regulation, then won seven in a row, and then they lost eleven in Buffalo. I did a piece this week where I chatted with Doug Armstrong, and I don't know if you saw his comments, but he has an interesting theory about all of the streaking that we're seeing this year in the NHL. There have been a lot of winning streaks and losing streaks, more than I can recall, and one of his theories, and again. It's it's obviously anecdotal to some degree, but he believes that the league is so young now, it's younger than ever, as you guys know, loaded with youth and skill, and that he thinks that the one downside, and again, he loves the brand of Oxford to have now, he's not being one of those guys at all, but he thinks that it's affected some of the game management that we see in the game that we're accustomed to seeing past when MJ played, for example. You know, how to play with the 2 nothing lead and clock management and this and that, that the game has so much youth and skill that there's never enough goals. <laughs> and he says, in his opinion, in his opinion, it's part of the contributing factors to seeing all the win streaks and losing streaks, all the extremes that we've seen so far in the first quarter of the season. Anyway, it's, it's interesting. Like, I didn't expect him to go there. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting. What do you think, Johnny? It's like the World Juniors. I mean, the reason why we love the World Juniors is because the kids are younger, they make mistakes. Right? Same, same principle right. applies to maybe a lesser degree. Um, yeah, when it's 3-1, I think a lot of players are more worried about making it 4-1 than ending the game at 3-1, which is great for the game, not so great for maybe some of that clock management. And the rules are, are applied differently, so it's harder to protect with You can't just kind of go in a shell and right. hook and hold and grapple and, and, and grind out the clock. So there might be something to that. Is there a biggest surprise to you guys team-wise? Like, if I were to say, which one would it be? Uh, from the start of the year where you thought they would be to where they sit right here in this moment, <laughs> just like Seattle has kind of clawed their way right into that conversation as well. You think about Boston, all those injuries, think about Jersey and where they're at. Like, Johnny, which which would be your biggest surprise? I mean, it has to be Jersey. It has to be. Like, I, 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 you know, Boston's been great. Like, but I don't think it's even close. Because who had Jersey ripping off 13 in a row? And it's not just that they've won. It's how they've won. Yeah. They've been so dominant outplaying and they've thrown and everything. They don't have or haven't required great goals. I think it's been fine. But it hasn't been the reason they're winning. And I don't think anyone, not even a Jersey, not even Tom Fitzgerald, looked at his roster and said, yeah, we have the strongest roster in the league. But they've played 20 games. Like, they have clearly the strongest roster in the league. So, um, to me, on the upside, completely Jersey. Um, even if you like them, nobody likes them this much. So, Pierre, I think it's got to be Jersey. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, I did pick them as one of my surprise teams to, to get in this year. But I thought it'd be, like, you know, 
like sort of scratching along <laughs> squeezing in yeah. I have to be yeah so to see where they are now and the way they're doing it is, is has to be a surprise no doubt I think there's a nice consolation surprise based on Detroit who again kind of like Jersey although a bit behind Jersey rebuild in years but the wings are trying to take that step that frankly Ottawa had hoped to make earlier this season and uh, the trade is done in Ottawa has not and if you're going to go for a negative surprise I'm not surprised that Ottawa is not in the playoffs box. I didn't think they were going to be in the playoffs this year but I thought they were going to play meaningful games right to the end and uh, boy it's been uh, almost a disaster than Ottawa so far. How much of an honorable mention does Seattle get? Like, who had Seattle second in the Pacific after 19 of their games? You know, 11 and 5. They're on an 8 1 and 1 heater here. Uh, how surprising in the big picture yeah. is this, Johnny? It's very. Um, as much because, um, you know, you would have assumed Calgary and Edmonton would be ahead of them, obviously. Um, and those guys aren't, but Seattle scoring goals and as big of a surprise as any of it for Seattle, that has been Martin Jones mm-hmm. leading them in net and good right. for him because, you know, his career had kind of taken a turn the last few years in San Jose, bought out Philly was, was actually better than I thought he'd be in Philly, but you know, I didn't think he'd have kind of starter run in him again. And he's been really good. And it's interesting to see how Seattle's flipped from a team that looked like they were going to try to defend their way to wins to now. A normal team that kind of has a balance. We defend, we attack. They have more good forwards, maybe no star forwards, but a whole bunch of good forwards. Um, so it is surprising, but I think like they've been aided by the underwhelming Alberta experience so far through 20 games for Calgary and for Edmonton. Um, and even LA has been, you know, the Pacific's not been very good, quite frankly. It's, it's probably the weakest division, uh, in the, in the league so far. Uh, and that has helped them a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't have them doing it. And I'm, I'm glad though. I think like fans only ask them. It's just the second year, but you don't ask your fans who like, look, love us for five years. We'll eventually get good. Like it's good to give the fans something to, to latch on to, uh, some bits that so I'm, I'm happy for them, but I didn't do this kind of coming either. No, I, I mean, again, I, I think that people thought they'd be better just if they got some saves. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, the two teams, if I'm wrong, you guys correct me later, but I believe the two teams that ranked dead last in the NHL last year, 5 on 5 save percentage for New Jersey and Seattle. And, uh, you know, I, I think there was a sense in each organization from talking to each organization back in September that if they just even got average goaltending, that would make a pretty big difference in terms of trying to get off a better start. And obviously, we've seen that with both teams. So, that doesn't explain everything, of course, but I'm just saying, you know, those two teams really got rocked by their goaltending situation last year, and here they are. They're not better. Adam Larson, Vince Dunn, both playing over 23 minutes a night, every night, uh, for the Seattle Kraken, off to a really nice start. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how over the next 40 games or so, what level they're able to sustain. But it's it's kind of jarring when you look at the standings and you see them so far. You kind of you almost you snap your head like, whoa, um, that's going to be interesting. Let's talk about individual players. Uh, okay. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say quickly, because I thought MJ made the best point of all there. It really does not take anything away from Seattle, but like, where is Emerson and Calgary? Come on. Yeah. Like, that's. That's a huge part. Well, do you want to hit on that real quick? I mean, I cover the Oilers here in Edmonton, and uh, listen, seven and three, and then three and seven. 
defending has been an absolute train wreck in their own end. Uh, like, what are you guys seeing? Johnny, what do you think? How concerned? Well, I wonder why that is, Shoggy. Because when, when Jay took over last year, they actually improved a lot in that regard of kind of like turning possession and, and not just relying on McDavid and Dreisaitl and, you know, guys at the bottom of the lineup kind of holding their own 50-50 and shots and chances and goals and stuff that's not happening again this year. Um, like, you know, the Jack Campbell experience, I mean, you know, what do you say? It hasn't gone well just yet. Hopefully he gets it figured out. Um, now, it is concerning, I think, that I think since, like, the calendar turned to 2022, he's got, like, the worst day percentage of any goaltender who's played, whatever, 40 games in the NHL. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a year-long problem, not a two-week thing. So, uh, that'll be an issue. But, yeah, I think defense. And, right, we talked about this. Like, you, I, you did the hit. I remember talking to you on other shows when it was McDavid and Drysdale before the year. We don't care about points. We won all our awards. We're playing defense. We're setting the tone with defense. We care about defense. And I'm like, well, that's great. If those guys set the tone, it happens. Like, they're, 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 it's not been the case. Now, those guys have been great. I'm not criticizing them specifically, but defense hasn't been uh, a successful area of focus for Edmonton so far. And, and this would be a fascinating test for Jalen Croft because when he came in last year, fresh voice, um, you know, the players clearly from the time I spent there anyway, but Ryan, you know better than us, but the, clearly, the players clearly were galvanized by his presence, his new message, the way he approached coaching, and, and, and just there was a real good vibe about the players totally buying into what he was selling. But, you know, that that often works. Of course, now you've got 82 games plus, and and is that message, you know, still being, you know, accepted the same way? You know, where, where's the buy-in? And how does Jay Whitcroft react when things aren't going well here? And really, his first success is becoming an as a coach. And so that part, I think, is interesting to me. They started the scary part, though, Brian. Right. Yeah. Scary part is that with Kane Hurst, struggling in, like, the idea they can just score their way out of issues, challenge as well. Like, as great as those two guys are, and Hyman's been awesome, and dude is dude, like, they, they're a couple players short of a top six still yeah. with Kane's injury. So it's, it's, not, it's not like you can just say, well, just go score some more goals. So that might be a challenge as well. Yeah, the, I mean, the answer lies in in an uptick in the way that they're defending right now, and they're, they're a bit of a mess in their own zone. Uh, we're seeing blown coverages that that feel uh, night in, night out. I mean, every team makes mistakes, and every team blows coverages in their own end. Uh, the Oilers have a regular habit of doing it. It's happening on a very regular basis, and it's really hurting them. Uh, regression, right? Evan Bouchard has had a really tough opening 20 games. Really, really tough. He has regressed. Tyson Berry, his his game has struggled. Darnell Nurse isn't anywhere near where he wants to be. And Brett Kulak has also regressed from where they finished last season. Oh, and Duncan Keith is no longer there. Guys, uh, people may roll their eyes when I say this. I'm telling you, they miss Duncan Keith. Evan Bouchard misses having Duncan Keith next to him on pretty much every shift. He's like a coach out there. So there has been regression uh, with a number of players. Now, I guess the upshot would be, we know that these can be good players, right? Bouchard is better than what he's showing now. Uh, Barry can be better than he is now. Nurse as well. And Kulak was good when he was brought in last year. So I think a lot of it is guys are underperforming and uh, 
there's room for that to change and improve. As far as Woodcroft goes, I, I, I don't think that their attentiveness has changed, um, but definitely it's surprising to a lot of us that defensively they're as bad as they are right now. Right. Right. Uh, figure it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Later. Sort it out. And listen, uh, they're going to add a defenseman. And maybe, Pierre, this we can talk quickly about Chikrin here. I don't know that Chikrin is at the top of their list, and I don't think it'll necessarily be Chikrin. Uh, the Oilers are going to add a second-pairing left-shot defenseman at some point this season. It is so clearly what they need. Uh, so not a ton available. We'll see what the list looks like. Chikrin, I'm sure, will get some consideration, but he's a few games into returning. Uh, are things heating up on the Chikrin front in any way? Well, they're heating up in the sense that, uh, you know, after the Jams meeting last week, Bill Armstrong was under the impression that once Chicken was back playing and teams were seeing him play again and that the fact that he was healthy, Bill Armstrong didn't think it would be long before teams circled back and started to get more serious about what they were willing to pay in a trade for Chicken. The, the, the problem is, like, I don't see the Oilers. Hey, listen, this is a change, obviously. It's like the Oilers can't get out of this fund. But I've never felt that the Oilers are on the top of the list of teams like the Falling Arizona and Chikrin. Yeah, I agree. For the number one reason of, of what the price is. And the price, and again, Bill Armstrong hasn't sold out the price publicly, but from talking to other front officers, it's always the same answer I get from other teams, which is two first-round picks plus either a prospect or a young player. People are and getting so annoyed at you saying that all the time. You're saying that well, all the time, and everybody, I think, is... Well, you know, and I know it's just the truth, but it feels like the hockey world thinks that's too high. Well, no question people think it's too high, and they're hoping that, that he softens. But I think that Bill Armstrong feels that he's the one with the leverage right now because so many teams are desperate for a, for a blue line upgrade. And so it'll be interesting to see where this game of chicken goes because you got a player who's asked for a trade. So you can't, you know, you, just because he's signed for another couple of years, you can't actually really say with a straight face, well, I don't have to trade it. But you do, you kind of have to trade it because he's out for a trade. But, no, you know, I don't know about that, Pierre. I don't know about yeah. that. Like, I think I think Arizona is in the forced position that they don't care about winning right now, right? So they can ride this out way longer, kind of like with Matthew Shane in Colorado back with Joe Sackett, let that ride out for a really long time. Right. Like, I know you don't want to keep him there the whole time, but if you were a team that was going to compete in the near term, you probably would want to make that transaction. But I think they've got a lot of runway through the year. You don't get what we want? Okay, cool. Like, you know, we can wait, we can wait because those picks will be coming down the pike at some point all time. So I think they're in a unique position to wait longer than most teams in their situation. How about, how about well, looking at this one, from another but, direction, Pierre, in that so Bill Armstrong keeps putting out this expectation for what he wants for Jacob Chikrin. We all attach that to what he thinks Chikrin is worth. I don't know. Maybe part of it is sending a message to Chikrin. Hey, if you want out, you're going to have to play your way into this value. This is what our organization right. is going to need in return to be willing to trade the, the asset that is Jacob Chikrin. So if you want out of here, this is what I need to get in return. So play your way into that value. Oh, I think that's totally part of it. There's no question about it. And the, the other thing I was going to add to that. Johnny does, isn't buying one it. Of the that, no. Well, the, the, one thing, <laughs> the one thing I try to do when I, when I try to predict how a GM is going to finally you know, uh, pull off a transaction. You know, that was a great example of Sackick and Matthew Shane because Sackick got hammered for waiting too long. 
had anything one of the best trades in a decade. Um, Bill Armstrong has, you know, he's not been a GM that long, but here's what we do know about him. He also got criticized for what we thought was way, way too long in Darcy Kemper. Right. And by the time he finally traded Darcy Kemper, Darcy Kemper only had a year left on his deal. But I remember thinking, I don't know about you guys, geez, you're not going to get the value you would have had a year ago if you would have traded him. Well, guess what happens by waiting and waiting and waiting? Colorado strikes out on the first day of free agency, trying to re-sign Grubauer, trying to sign Brady Anderson, trying to sign X and Y. And they, and you know, they have the talk about this. Complete desperation uh, late in the day on the first day of free agency in, uh, in July 28-21. And they gave a first, a third in Connor Timmons for Kemp for a year of Darcy Kemper. You know what? They have don't care they overpaid. They want the cup. But my point is, that, that's Bill Armstrong's track record so far is that he was really patient on Jersey Kemper, stuck to this price, which other teams, including Anderson, thought was too high, but eventually got it. So that's, that, that's what I'm saying, is that he's saying he's being sick of that on Chicker, and maybe we should believe him. I guess. I mean, why not? Well, he's got all the cards. Listen, Ryan, the idea that somehow you can be motivated to play better to get traded out of there, like, he's obviously going to play his best anyway, for whatever reason, like, you know, Chicker. Like, say, hey, you know what? We're going to hold firm on two first. So, play lights out. He's going to try to do that anyway. Like, I, I know he wants to get out of there, and I'm sure not pouting part of that discussion. Like, hey, you can't trip on your lip here for the next, you know, three months expect to leave. Yeah. You got to play well. But I think the idea that tomorrow you're going to play better, um, I don't know. Everyone's playing as best as they can all the time. I don't, know, know, that it's, kind of I don't know that it's so much about you got to play better, but what you talked about making sure you're not falling into that tripping on your lip thing, making sure you're not yeah, feeling frustrated that it's not happening. This is what the organization's expectation is. Hold up your end of the deal, and uh, we'll see if it can happen. But always contentious uh, you know, when the trade demand comes, and especially because you made a great point, Johnny, and that the team, you know, the team can sit tight if they need to. They're not in any sort of desperation mode at all right now. Um, although Connor Bedard has 24 points in the last eight games that he played. So the, uh, the Bedard sweepstakes, if you can, if you can water yourself down the earlier, the better, uh, this year. All right. That was the breakdown brought to you by pro hockey life. Before we let you guys go, we got to get to our red card, yellow card, no card appropriately named given the, uh, the world cup. Man, was that fun watching Canada the other day. Man, so many chances, so much offense. Hey, wasn't that fantastic? I'm going to watch again on Sunday. Of course you're going to watch, but let's get a goal for the first time in country's history, all right? Like yeah. that's, that's what I'd like to see. Although I was always worried they're opening up, leaving themselves open to a counterattack on the back end because they were pressing so high up the field and like yeah. a soccer talk. But um, this is the game. Wow. Sunday's the game. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, Pierre, I got my soccer background, but Sunday's the game. They got they have to get a result in Sunday against Croatia. Yeah. Uh, and if they do and win, tied, they have a good I, I shot of going through. You yeah, exactly. It's sunny as well. Yeah, yeah. But I sure. the other thing I was gonna say, I didn't, I didn't expect to get as moved emotionally as I did during the anthem. And I think it's just you're watching it and you realize the first time in 36 years that Canada's back on that stage of the Men's World Cup, and it just hit me. And one of the players was emotional, and it just hearing the whole crowd there singing of Canada. That was. Were you uh, uh, you were, you were tearing was, up too, Johnny? I'm sure. You know what? I'm right, Jake. You laugh because I am a bit of a hard, cold-hearted person. Yeah, but come on. I tell you. Come on. You're <laughs> as softy. I've, as I've gotten 
As I've gotten older, I'm terrible. Like, I'll be like watching the game, and I'm like, I get goosebumps and chills. And like, and I heard, come on, I was watching like a fan, like a total out of control fan. I love when they it. They missed the penalty shot, I threw the remote control. And then, you know, I'll be watching YouTube videos about whatever I end up watching YouTube on, Roger Federer highlights. I'll end up somehow down like a military homecoming, and I'll be like bawling my eyes out <laughs> in my office by myself. Like, Buddy. I, I, I'm like, what a go mess. So. Buddy. Oh, I know. I'm soft my old age. So I am emotional. I like I this tested. softer, gentler Mike Johnson. I like mm-hmm. this guy. I like this oh, guy. Don't tell anyone. I almost want to say better than the, whatever it was like 12 years ago when we first met. <laughs> this is like a, I can get, you know, I can get with this guy. It makes sense to me. All right. Today's yellow, mm-hmm. uh, red card, yellow card, no card. Uh, a bit of a goofy one, and I think I'm going to get killed on this one. I might be on an island. Three-hour car drive, okay? You and one other person, three-hour drive. You're driving, and they just take a nap. Just go to sleep, right? They just, you look next to you, and they're just head on the, head on the window sleeping. Red card, yellow card, or no card, fellas. Like, <laughs> is there like a green card for like a power play? Like I want to give the guy props. Like that's amazing. Like I want to give him a bonus card for doing that. That is so spectacular behavior. Like you got this. All right, I'll see you when we get there. That is an amazing turn of events. You know, even listen as a driver, I don't want to talk. I'll just listen to podcasts or listen to music. If you want to sleep, go ahead. I'd have no problem with it, and I give full. To the person to be able to fall asleep, that is tremendous. As long as the driving is like safe and not kind of tenuous, and I got no problem with that. All right. Green card, green all, card. All, wow. Okay. Pierre, what do you got, buddy? Uh, definitely, so it's definitely no card if I want to stay married. Although I'm pretty sure my wife is not listening to our podcast, but um, uh, you know, I've been married 22 years, and for 22 years, I've been driving long distance, and my wife goes goes to sleep in the car, and it's all good. I get to listen. <laughs> Do whatever I want on the radio, okay, well, and I zone out. What about a buddy? Uh, what about yeah. not your wife? What about a buddy? Okay, not my wife, but buddy. Yeah, bud. It would it would annoy me a bit if it was a good pal and yeah. uh, you know I, I like the best. You know, yeah. Isn't it, it your responsibility to kind of keep them entertained? You know, keep the conversation going. No. Just kind of like uh. no. <laughs> Whatever, it goes quick. What would be a red card though is if I have a nap and then tell you to turn down the radio so I can sleep better. (laughs) Dude, your podcast is bothering me. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate arbiter. The ultimate arbiter on Got Your Back is Terry Ryan, Ted Hitchcock from Shorzy. And here he delivers his adjudication. As the ultimate arbiter, I say no card. What are we, teenagers? If you're an adult, chances are you have responsibilities, stressors, deadlines, Long drives are good for the mind. See the country, listen to your favorite podcast, check out a new album, brainstorm new ideas while passing through the countryside. The last thing I want is some forced conversation with someone I can talk to any time at all. (laughs) There's nobody on earth that could tickle my fancy more than the hum of an engine under the sweet sounds of my favorite podcast or album. Card? Are you kidding? It's bonus points. No card. Final answer. Hey, Johnny, you and the ultimate arbiter right on side together today, buddy. Green card it is. I love it.
Green card it is. All right, that'll wrap up the podcast, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Johnny, thanks for your time. Enjoy the game today. Pierre, you as well. Uh, Big thanks to our sponsors, as always, Cross Country Canada, Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and, of course, Liberty Smart Security, also a valued sponsor here on Got Your Back. Thanks for your downloads and your subscriptions, folks. I look forward to dropping more podcasts next week. And once again, our thoughts... And our prayers, condolences to the Salming family, Leafs Nation, as the hockey world lost an absolute giant. And we are certainly thinking about his family and friends in this moment.